0: Our scripture reading today is in the book of Jonah. So Jonah is in the Minor Prophets, so it's uh, all those small books in the back of the Old Testament, okay? So it might take you a while to find it, all right? But it's right there after the little book of Obadiah, right before Micah, so Jonah chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 3 and 4 this morning. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. A few weeks ago, I had a conversation with Joey Hall from our church about his son, Austin. He told me that Austin had been stationed with the military near San Diego, California. It was at this point in the conversation that I was tempted to sin. I can be very jealous of anyone who gets to live in San Diego. What a beautiful city! I lived in San Diego for 10 weeks one summer while I was in college. I was with a group of other Christian college students to learn more about Christ and to tell other people about Jesus. We were in San Diego basically to do missionary work. Now, most people think of missionary work as consisting of suffering for Jesus. Let me tell you, I did not do a whole lot of suffering while I was in San Diego, Every day, the weather was pretty much the same. It would be foggy in the morning, but by noon, the fog would burn off, and it would just be a gorgeous day. When I left San Diego, my dream job was to come back someday and be a weather forecaster in San Diego. (laughs) Every day, the weather was the same. Perfect. What an easy job that would be. And when I finish my work of predicting the weather each day, I would be able to enjoy the rest of my day in the beauty of San Diego. In the book of Jonah, we see that there is another place where it is very easy to predict the weather. This is not a place on a map. This is actually a spiritual place. It is the place where we sin. What is the weather forecast when we sin? stormy weather we can see how this worked out in jonah's life in jonah chapter one by looking at two uses of the word great we see the command of god to jonah in verse two of chapter one arise go to nineveh that great city jonah however refused to obey god he did not go to nineveh he ran in the opposite direction to Tarshish instead. And what did God do in response to Jonah's sin? We see the second use of the word great in verse 4. We read there, But the Lord hurled a great wind. Every act of disobedience to God has a storm attached to it. If Jonah refuses to go into a great city then God will send a great storm. When I sin and refuse to turn away from my sin, I don't have to wonder about what the weather will be. God will send a storm. And God sends storms to us in a few different circumstances because of sin. So let's look at different ways that God sends storms because of sin from Jonah chapter 1 this morning. First of all, sometimes God sends storms because we need to repent of sin. In Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, we read that Jonah was trying to run away from God. That was his goal. Jonah had gone to Joppa, which was a harbor on the coast of Palestine, in order to get on a ship. At this point in the sermon, I'd like to thank Pastor Travis and Pastor Brian for turning the disciples' fishing boat into more of a larger ship that Jonah was to go on. Uh, So this is Jonah's ship that you're to think about as we go through this series, uh, the ship of Jonah's rebellion. This uh, ship should be a symbol to us throughout the sermon series of Jonah's rebellion against God. Now, Jonah would not have needed to go on a ship to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was over land. He would have gone east going to Nineveh in Assyria. But Jonah did need to go on a ship to go to Tarshish, which was across the Mediterranean Sea into Spain. Jonah wanted to go to what was considered the end of the world in his day. Why? To go away from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to rebel against God's command. And the way that he chose to rebel was to go in the opposite direction of where God commanded him to go. Now notice how God responds to Jonah's sin in verse 4. We read there, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Notice what this verse does not say. It does not say, By a strange coincidence, A great storm arose from out of nowhere. No one could have predicted it. What a coincidence that the storm rose up. Coincidence had nothing to do with the storm. Who was in charge of the weather on the Mediterranean that day? Verse 4 makes it clear that it was the Lord who controlled the weather. And in fact, the Lord controls the weather every day. So this beautiful day that you are enjoying who does it come from? It comes from God. Well, in this day that Jonah was trying to run away, God controlled the weather, and he sent a storm. The verse says that God hurled a great wind. This word hurled is often used in the Old Testament for throwing weapons like spears. You would hurl a spear, and in this case, God hurls not a spear at Jonah, but rather a A storm. It's like Jonah then is God's enemy in this verse. Even though Jonah is theoretically still a prophet of God. So why is God treating Jonah like his enemy by throwing a violent storm at him? Because of Jonah's sin. God then wants to get Jonah's attention by sending this violent storm his way. Some of you today are in the middle of a violent storm in your life. And you are starting to ask yourself questions about God and yourself in the midst of your storm. It's tempting for us to say in the storm, I must have sinned somehow. God feels like an enemy to me right now. That's the only explanation for all of the bad things that keep happening in my life. Church, I would encourage you to be careful about that way of thinking. Yes, every sin will lead to a storm in our lives. That is true. But it is also true that not every difficult thing that comes into our lives is punishment for some particular sin that we have committed. That is not true. That's the message of the book of Job that we studied in the year 2018 together as a church, had Job sinned at all in spite of his great suffering? Is that the reason why God sent suffering was because of Job's sin? No, not at all. Job is called a blameless man in the book of Job. He was not perfect, but he was a righteous and a godly man. Or I want you to think about the the sermon that Peter Scheibner preached in our church a couple weeks ago from John chapter 9. Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. Had either the blind man or his parents sinned, was that the cause of his blindness? No. The storm of blindness was not caused by anyone's sin. So the presence of a storm in your life does not necessarily indicate the presence of sin in your life. Storms do not equal sin. So here is what the Bible teaches about storms and difficulties. The Bible does not say that every difficulty is the result of sin. It doesn't say that. But the Bible does teach that every sin will bring you into difficulty. Some Christian friends once told me about their own experience with suffering. This man had cancer, and some Christians called him up and asked if they could come over and pray with him and his wife. This sounded like a good idea to my friend. He could use all the prayer that he could get in a moment like that. But when the other Christians came to his house, my, my friends started to get very uncomfortable. Why? What happened? These other Christians believed that the only reason for my friend's cancer was that he must have sinned in some way. And so they asked my friend all kinds of questions about what possible sins he might have committed that would have caused his cancer. They wanted him to confess those sins and repent of them so that God could then heal him. Church, I beg you, don't be a friend like that. A major illness is not always a sign of a major sin. I would say that most of the illnesses that we suffer in life are in fact not caused by a particular sin in our lives. So don't then try to comfort your sick friends by helping them to figure out what sins they have committed in their lives that would have caused their sins. That is no comfort at all. Instead, that is just cruel and judgmental behavior. But, on the other hand, there are indeed cases like Jonah's There are cases where someone has definitely and deliberately rebelled against God. And what is the weather forecast for such a rebel? Stormy weather. A storm will always follow sin. Actions always have consequences. Earlier this week, I was going through my Bible reading plan, and I was reading in 2 Samuel chapter 12, About the consequences for King David for his adultery with Bathsheba and then his murder of Bathsheba's husband Uriah. There were three major and horrible consequences that King David suffered because of his sin. First, the baby that he and Bathsheba conceived in their adultery died. Second, the violence that David had committed against Uriah would now follow David around for the rest of his life. Even within his family, there would be always people who would be trying to kill David as a result of David's killing Uriah. And then, third, just like David had betrayed his family and Uriah in his adultery with Bathsheba, David himself would be betrayed. David conducted his adultery in secret, but someone would come who would betray David in broad daylight. Church, do you see what horrible storms come to us whenever we sin? Our sin is so stupid. It is suicidal to sin. How stupid is sin according to Jonah chapter 1? Sin is like watching the Weather Channel and seeing a picture like this that I brought with me this morning. As you see the the hurricane approaching Miami Beach, you know for sure that the hurricane is going to land. There's going to be all kinds of destruction in Miami. Everybody is evacuating the city. People are in their cars jamming the highways, trying to get out of Miami. Miami. But you say to yourself, you know, I've always wanted to go to Miami. Let me get on a plane and go to Miami right now. I know that the city might be destroyed. I know that I might not survive this visit. But hey, let's go. Let's give it a chance. That's what sin is like. Sin always leads to a storm. And yet we choose to sin anyway. We bring a storm from God down on ourselves because every sin will necessarily lead to a storm. God will send a storm to us so that we might repent of our sin and turn away from it. So are you deliberately living in rebellion against God in some way like Jonah did? If so, don't be like Jonah. Don't try to run away from God. You can't. There is nowhere that you can go where God can't send a storm to get your attention. Let's remind ourselves of the truth that Moses spoke to some of the tribes in Israel in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. Let's read together. But if you will not do so... Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. You cannot hide your sin. It can't be done. You cannot escape from the God who is the king of the whole universe. He sees everything, and he knows everything. And he will send a storm upon you when you sin. Now, why does God do all this? Because believe it or not, God loves you very deeply. He loves you so much that he will send a storm into your life to make sure that you repent after you sin. The only safe place in the world is a life that is lived in the presence of God. And so if you are running away from God, you can be sure that God will send a storm to bring you back into the presence of God. God does not want to have to give you stormy weather. So if you are deliberately sinning, or if you are tempted to sin in some way, stop. Don't do something stupid. Repent today, so that you will not have to go through a storm that would break up the boat of your life. Sometimes God sends us storms so that we might repent of our sin. But sometimes God sends us storms simply because we live in a fallen world. In this story that we are reading, who is the one who has sinned? Who's the one who has done evil? It's Jonah. Jonah is the rebel. He is the one who is running away from God. He is clearly disobeying God. So God hurls a violent storm at Jonah to get his attention to bring him to repentance. But let me ask you a question. Is Jonah the only person who is on this ship going to Tarshish? Is he the only one on it? He's not. In fact, it says in verse 3, that Jonah paid the fare to go on this ship. So it was a commercial ship of some kind that was filled with all kinds of goods that were going to Tarshish, as well as all kinds of passengers who were going there. So there were many, many people who were on this ship that Jonah boarded. It was Jonah, though, who had sinned and caused the storm to come down on this ship. But Jonah was not the only one suffering. The sailors on this ship heading to Tarshish, they were also going through the same violent storm with Jonah. The same thing is going to happen to you throughout your life. Everyone in this world sins. As a result, this world is broken. It has fallen because of our sin. The world is not the way it is supposed to be. It's not the way that God designed it to be. Sometimes, then, storms come into your life not because of your particular sin. Storms come into your life because of the unavoidable consequence of living in a fallen and broken world. God is bringing storms into the lives of those who are sinning. And sometimes you are caught up in the storm along with those others. Now, this could make you very angry. You could look around you and say, Hey, who's to blame for this storm? I'm not the cause of this. Somebody else is. Who is to blame? We will see later in Jonah chapter 1 that this is exactly the question that the sailors were asking. They asked that question in verse 7. They cast lots, they threw dice or sticks or something like that to determine who was to blame for the storm. They knew that the storm was so violent that it must have a supernatural reason behind it. And so they were trying to figure out who was to blame. So you could yourself ask that question, who's to blame every time you run into a storm? But because most of you are Christians, I think that there is actually a better question for you to ask when you go through a storm. That question is, what good will God bring out of this storm? What's the good that God is going to bring into my life as I make it through this storm? In the story of Jonah, we are going to see that God is going to use this violent storm to bring these sailors to genuine faith in the one true God. Isn't that amazing? These people had no clue who God was. And yet a storm that revealed the power of God and ultimately the mercy of God caused these sailors to worship the one true God. And what was the storm going to do for Jonah? What good thing would come out for Jonah? Jonah did not know how merciful God is. He didn't have a clue. But when he saw the mercy of God in saving not only his life, but also the lives of the people of Nineveh, Jonah realized how merciful our God is. God brought good out of the storm. And that is the question we need to ask ourselves when we go through a storm. What good? Is God going to bring me through this storm? For those of you who are going through a storm today, I know that the storm is doing damage to you. The storm then is not good. But God can use even a bad storm in this world to bring good into your life. This is the promise of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Let's read that verse together out loud. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So don't lose your faith when you go through a storm. Wait on God. Trust God. Eventually, God will bring good out of this storm for you. To help you understand how God can use bad storms to bring good to you, I'd like to tell you a fairy tale this morning. Most fairy tales are, are really dark stories. I think parents many years ago used these fairy tales to scare the pants off their children so that they wouldn't be eaten by the big bad wolf. But here is a fairy tale with a good moral behind it. There once was a wicked witch who lived in a remote cottage in a deep forest. When travelers came to her place looking for a place to stay for the night, she would offer to them a meal and a comfortable bed. The bed that the travelers slept in was the most comfortable bed that they had ever slept in. It was so comfortable. The problem was that this bed had dark magic in it. If you were still asleep in the bed when the sun rose the next morning, you would turn into stone. The witch would then add you to her collection of statues that she had collected. Now this witch forced a young girl to serve her, but this servant girl still had mercy for the witch's victims. And so one day, a young man came looking for a place to stay in the forest. The servant girl could not bear the thought of this wonderful young man turning into a statue. And so what the girl decided that she would do is she would throw sticks, stones, and thistles onto the bed to make that bed incredibly uncomfortable. So every time that that young man rolled over in bed that night, He felt a new painful object digging into him. Now, obviously, the young man could not get much, if any, sleep that night. So when he left the house early the next morning, the young man said to the servant girl, How could you give a traveler such a terrible bed, full of sticks and stones? But as he left, the girl said to herself, The misery that you know now, is nothing like the infinitely greater misery a comfortable sleep would have brought upon you. Those were my sticks and stones of love. Church, is it possible that God has put sticks and stones of love into your bed to wake you up to the danger that you are in And is it possible that there is love from God at the heart of any storm that you are going through? If you turn yourself to God through faith in Christ today, he will save you. He won't let you drown in the storm, whether it is a storm that is caused by your own sin or a storm that is caused by living in a broken and a fallen world. How do I know that God will save you in your storm? Because Jesus himself entered into this fallen world in order to save you. The only storm that can ultimately destroy you is the storm of God's judgment on sin and evil. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has taken the judgment that you deserve for your sin at the cross. Jesus took the violent storm of the cross for you and for me. Jesus died in that storm of God's judgment, receiving the punishment of sin that we deserve so that we can be forgiven as we trust in him. Have you trusted then that Christ died in your place on the cross? If you have done so, That will not answer all of your questions about your current suffering. You still might not understand why you are going through the storm that you are going through. But, thinking about Christ on the cross does answer the most important question that you could ever ask. And that question is this. Does Jesus love me? Does he love me? How do we know that he does? It's the cross. Because Christ went to the cross for you, you can know without a doubt that Jesus loves you. Because Jesus was thrown into this storm for you, you can have confidence today that whatever storm you are going through has love at the heart of it. Church, don't believe the lie That God has no control over the storm that you are going through. It was God who sent the violent storm to Jonah. And it is God who either sends or allows the violent storms in your life. Some people rebel against that thought. But to me, that is actually a comforting thought. That God is behind every storm in my life. Why does that comfort me? Because I know if God is in control of it, then God can choose at any time to end the storm. He can choose to bring it to an end because he's in control of it. And he can choose to bring it to an end when he realizes, when he recognizes that his storm has brought about his good purposes in my life. And if God is in control of the storm in my life, This also means that none of your suffering in life is random or meaningless. There is love at the heart of your storm. God has good that he wants to bring out of this storm for you today. Perhaps the good God wants to work in your life in a similar way to the way that he worked in Jonah's life, where he sends a storm to bring you to repentance for your sin to bring you back to God. But even if your storm and your suffering has nothing to do with any sin in your life, know this. God's salvation came into the world through suffering and through a violent storm on the cross. There is mercy then, deep inside of our storms. And one day, God will bring an end to all of our suffering, and to all of our storms. Let's pray together. God, what a great God that you are. Thank you that you are in control of the storms that happen in our lives. Thank you that you love us so much that when we sin, you don't allow us to run from you, but you send storms to bring us back to you the only safe place in the world. And so I pray for those who are running from God today. Bring them back to you. Bring them back into your presence where they might receive your forgiveness again. And for those who are going through a storm in this life simply because we live in a broken and a fallen world, encourage them to trust you. Help them to know that you have a good plan in mind as they go through this storm. May they not rebel, may they not be angry with the storm, but may they trust that there is always a good purpose behind every storm that you allow. In your great name we pray, amen.